0: Have you seen any best-of lists lately? They're quite popular, and U.S. News & World Report has made a list of best states to live in for years. Do you live in one of these states? Stay tuned. According to this latest report, The top five states to live in from top to bottom are Utah, Washington, Idaho, Nebraska, and Minnesota. In Canada, two popular provinces are Ontario and British Columbia. These states and provinces are ranked based on things like the economy, education, housing. You might be itching to move to some of those areas right now if you don't live there. But worth mentioning, none of the five states to live in are top states to retire in. Where is the best place to live? It's a good question. We may read countless articles, surveys, but we have to take time to consider where God wants us to be. Seek his will, and you'll find the right place to be. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus, and here on this Tuesday, we're in a series this week called The Living Lord. There was sadness, coupled with doubts when Jesus died on the cross and was buried. But if you remember nothing else I say today, remember this, out of sadness comes gladness from the living Lord. Imagine what you would have felt and thought once the reports started coming in. Jesus was alive. He had risen from the dead. He suddenly started showing up in his glorified body. And yesterday, we started this new series on the living Lord. He showed up to the two disciples, saddened by his death, heading home to their village called Emmaus. Mary Magdalene was at his tomb at dawn when suddenly he was alive and standing behind her. The Emmaus disciples also didn't recognize him at first. You would have been sad. You would have been discouraged and had your doubts like Thomas. But then comes gladness, a time to get excited. The Lord was risen indeed. In a moment, we're going to think more about these moments after Christ's resurrection and how the living Lord brought gladness and joy to his followers. And over the last couple of weeks, we've been thinking about the life of Christ and talking about the Chosen TV series. And we've been hearing from so many of you who have really been blessed by this unique TV series. We caught up with one of those fans in South Carolina who was on her way to pick up her kids from school. Her name is Claire. So thank you for joining us as you drive to school.
1: Hey, Charles. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: How did you and your family first hear about The Chosen and what did you think about it when you started watching?
1: You know, I think it took about a few months of seeing the ads probably on Facebook or something. But it took a while to overcome the skepticism. My husband and I previewed it, um, just wondering what it's all about. But... I think it added the human element to all, mostly the disciples. It helped actually draw me to the word more, um, to sit in the word and imagine all the goings on around the short little snippets or parables that we may have heard. And the moment that has stuck with me the most was probably Mary Magdalene's brokenness, where she knew the Lord knew her and... His love just overcame all of her fear, and she knew he was safe. That was just a really powerful moment.
0: Well, Claire, it sounds like you just picked up your kids. Do they like The Chosen?
1: I'll say hi. Hi. <laughs> you all like The Chosen? Yes, sure we do. <laughs> we have watched it as a family.
0: And I'm hearing this. Who is that joining you in your van?
1: This is Sam.
0: Hello, Sam. You're very polite. What do you like about The Chosen?
1: I like how like, you can get to know Jesus better.
0: Well, Claire and Sam and the rest of the family in South Carolina, thanks for joining me here on Haven today.
1: Bye. Thanks for having me.
0: After the program, I want to give you an opportunity to support our ministry. And when you make at least a minimum gift, I want to send you The Chosen, Seasons 1 through 3 on DVD as our thanks for your support. Not only will this series be a great way to remind yourself of the story of Jesus, it's also a great way to introduce someone to Christ's story for the first time. I'd like to invite you to our website, where you can see excerpts from the series, as well as some interviews I've done with the show's creator, Dallas Jenkins. And then you can make your gift at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Or call us at 800-65-HAVEN, 800 800- 65 Haven, and if you just want to get the new season three on DVD, we have that for your gift as well. Now, let's get this program started with Casting Crowns.
2: One day when heaven was filled with his praises, one day when sin was as black as could be, Jesus came forth to born of a virgin He dwelt among men My example is He One day they led Him Up Calvary's mountain One day they nailed Him To die on a tree Suffering anguish Despised and rejected Bearing our sins is he? The hands and healed nations Stretched out on a tree And took the nails for me
3: Living he loved me Dying
0: living he loved me glorious day by casting crowns from their hymns of faith album here on a haven today that we're calling the living lord the lord jesus had risen indeed the stories were swirling but many were wondering would jesus appear again and if so where and to whom maybe i could get to see him myself He seems to have remained on earth just long enough to fully convince his followers that he really did conquer death and that he really was alive. And then if he really was alive, which he was, then every claim he ever made about himself and his mission on earth was confirmed. Listen to some of the scene from Luke 24 after he disappeared, after blessing the bread at that home at Emmaus. He disappears in one place but not long after, appears in the upper room. The Emmaus disciples had just raced back and shared what had happened. Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled, and why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. "'A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have.' And then when he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, "'Do you have anything here to eat?' They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it, and he ate it in their presence." That's out of the end of Luke 24. Later, towards the end of John's gospel, Jesus appeared to Peter, the leader of the 12, who had denied even knowing Jesus as Jesus was being tried. Perhaps this time was too intimate to be preserved for the rest of us. Perhaps Peter could never bring himself to share what they talked about. Did they talk of his denial of his Lord? Did they talk of repentance and forgiveness? We don't know. According to 1 Corinthians fifteen seven, Jesus also appeared to his half-brother James, but we have no record of what was said. What was going on that night in the upper room? Emotions were running high among his disciples and the apostles. I've mentioned there was sadness, but then there was gladness. Let me put it two ways. First, they were fearful. We're provided in John 20, a second recounting of that first Easter night. It starts in verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Can you identify with someone who is so afraid that they lock their doors and close their blinds? Is there a person or a group that frightens you? Think about finding yourself in a mall or a school when shots break out. Someone is on the loose killing people. It's happening more and more. You try and hide. You try and get away. And certainly you are afraid. Not the same, though, as that night. But have you ever been in a situation where you felt vulnerable? You knew you were in danger. And if so, then you know something of the fear of the followers of Jesus after he was unjustly tried and killed. If the Jews killed Jesus, would they also kill you, his follower? Can't you imagine those disciples behind closed, locked doors huddling and speaking quietly, hushed tones, about the reports that they had heard from the day that Jesus was alive? Could it be true Was he really alive? Are these reports reliable? Those disciples were filled with conflicting emotions, fear, but also hope. But fear was still paramount. The disciples listened to every step on the stairs outside, for every knock on the door. Could it be that the Sanhedrin would come to arrest and kill them too? We're told the doors were shut for fear of the Jews, but sadness and fear would lead to gladness and joy. So first they were fearful, but second they gained joy. There they were that night with only candles for light, and Jesus was there standing in the midst of them. They hadn't heard him come up the stairs. He didn't knock on the door. The door was still locked, and yet he was there. He was with them. And the first thing he said was, Shalom, But the standard Jewish greeting didn't end their fear with immediate peace and joy. At first, the disciples' terror grew deeper. Luke 24 tells us they were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. The earlier reports of Jesus' appearances had perhaps been explained as mere visions, maybe hallucinations, or even seeing a ghost. But the risen Lord was not a phantom. He was for real. And now he was alive again in their presence. Luke stresses the fact that Jesus appeared in bodily form. Jesus attempts to forever dispel their first and false impressions. He appealed to their senses to prove that he possessed not an immaterial or spiritual or celestial body, but that he was still in his flesh and blood body that had been crucified and killed the Friday before. He was still in the same body that was placed dead in the tomb. Yet, here he was, in a new glorified body, a body that could travel through locked doors, a body still scarred by the cruel nails in his hands. It was a body capable of eating food. It was a body that could be touched and felt. He was not a disembodied spirit. He showed them his wounds in his hands and side and declared that a spirit did not have flesh and bones, which they could see that he had. And finally, to remove every lingering doubt, he took a piece of broiled fish and ate it before them. He gave to his disciples every conceivable, sensible sign that he had risen from the dead in his actual, physical, human, but now glorified body. That scene, at that moment, led them to joy. This event carries me back to the creation of mankind in Genesis 2. And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. This is also what Ezekiel saw in the valley of dead, dry bones, when he heard God say to the wind, come from the four winds, O breath, breathe on these slain that they may live, Ezekiel 37, 9. The coming of the Holy Spirit is like a new creation. It's like an awakening of life from the dead. When the Holy Spirit comes to every born-again Christian, we are recreated reawakened, and empowered by joyful lives to live and serve our risen Lord. Those disciples were not left to live forever in fear in an upper room. They were changed, transformed. They became joyful followers, sent out into the world that desperately needed what they had experienced. Their days of sorrow were over, with tidings of joy to be spread throughout the world to all people. That's what happened then. And that's what happens today. Jesus said God had sent him forth. And Jesus now sends us out. He would return to the Father in heaven. But Christians who follow will carry his message to the world through the power of the Spirit. And today, this is what we are called to do in the church. Without the Spirit of Christ alive in us, we have no message, no power and certainly no joy. Without Christ, we have no one to turn to to enlighten our minds, to strengthen our arms, and to encourage our hearts. Now, today, we can go with power out into the world to tell the world of the joy of forgiven sin. And with gladness, we can tell others that their sins can now be forgiven. We can face this world with shalom, the peace a new power and once we meet the risen christ we go out with that power and joy no more need for fear or dejection our sadness turns to gladness joy and we go in joy to a world that needs to hear that christ is alive and death is conquered for all who put their trust their lives in him
3: you called me from the grave by name. You called me out of all my shame. I see the oldest past oh.
0: Chris Tomlin, called Resurrection Power, on a haven today called The Living Lord. You know, when I was talking with Dallas Jenkins about his TV show called The Chosen, I heard him directly tell me that he and his team are committed to telling the biblical story of Jesus from their evangelical Christian perspective. They want to stay faithful to the scriptures while helping us better understand the context of the first century. In many ways, this series is like someone preaching a sermon about Jesus. Your pastor doesn't just get up and read the Bible. He studies the text, the customs, the language of the day. He makes suggestions about actions and words that are said. And that's what Dallas and his Christian writing team are doing. This series will be encouraging for you. And it's also a great way to evangelize those you want to share the story of Christ with. So, for your generous gift to this listener-supported ministry, I want to send you all three seasons on DVD of The Chosen. You can go visit our website right now, watch some excerpts from The Chosen, take a look at the video interview that I did with Dallas, but make your gift at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. Or you can call us at 800-65-HAVEN, 800-65-HAVEN, And if you just want to get the new Season 3 on DVD, you can ask for that. And we have that for your gift as well. And as we have to go now, if this biblically-based evangelical program ministers to you, would you join us and become a Haven Partner? And that's someone who agrees to pray regularly and give automatically monthly to help us keep sharing good news with others where you live, but also well beyond, all over the world. Ask about becoming a Haven partner when you call us or read about it when you go online to our website. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again together we'll share this great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. For your encouragement and your walk with Jesus. I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Luke 5:4 tells the story of how Jesus asked Simon, who we call Peter, to put out his nets into deeper water and catch some fish. He'd already been fishing all night and caught nothing, but he obeyed. Christ reminds us here that sometimes he asks us to do things that seem impossible, illogical. It doesn't make sense. Like Peter, we've already tried and failed on our own. But when we invite Jesus into our lives and follow him, we can experience his power and grace in ways we never thought possible. So we turn to him and trust in him, even when it doesn't make sense. He's the one who can fill our nets with his everlasting grace. Spend more time with Jesus. Visit GetAnchored.com.